live from Westside Church in Bend, Oregon. This is Behind the Message. See, it's been a great day. We've been uh, yeah. hearing from you talking about vulnerability, which, uh, as you've shared in this message, uh, you, the church, and specifically, you have become kind of known for vulnerability through everything that you've walked through, and we've talked much about that. Um, so, so talk to us about this sense of like, okay, now it's the church's turn to also be vulnerable and not all by myself. Yeah, well, I don't, I don't know if I, it, I mean, I, I certainly don't think I'm the only one in our church who's vulnerable, you know, but because of being in the uh, public eye, maybe more, it, um, you can start to feel a little bit like that. But I, I, I do believe that there, obviously there are people in our church who are, who are opening up their lives to others and sharing and being open and honest um, about their shortcomings, about their failures, about their dreams, et cetera. But I, I want us to be known as a church like that, not just as a leader like that, but that when people arrive and, are, and become linked into our community, they experience a safe environment where they can, they can, they can be vulnerable as well. So you're saying when, if we're not vulnerable, there's, we're highly susceptible to our souls burning out. Yeah. And uh, I, I've thought about it a little bit. I'm not saying I disagree with you. I, I agree with you, but I also think, man, vulnerability seems super exhausting. Like you could almost come at it from the other direction and say, man, if I'm going to live a highly vulnerable life, that sounds like I'm going to burn out just as fast as not <laughs> yeah. being vulnerable. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I hear you. Let me tell you. I hear you. Um, <laughs> And I think that what I'm not saying is that everybody needs to stand in front of a few hundred people and share their weaknesses and failures and, and temptations and all of that. Um, and so like one other person, you know, I, and if that sounds exhausting, then th- th- I think there's probably something else going on in our souls that probably other brokenness and rejection issues that at some point we need to deal with those things or our souls will wither away. Yeah. So vulnerability opens up a pa- the, the pathway towards wholeness and health, whereas closing up, it's like, it's like you know, um, we use this, I think we've used an illustration like this a lot where your pond that doesn't have any, you know, entry or exit point, it, it will start to it'll start to smell really bad. There's something about vulnerability that opens up the, the, the pathway for the water to flow in and out uh, and keep the, uh, the ponds of our lives, the streams of our lives healthy. So what would you say to that person who, as I've had, I've, I am this person a lot of times, who says, look, I just, look, I'm not an emotional person. I'm kind of private. I don't share a whole lot. It's, it's, yeah. it's not that I don't want to be vulnerable. It's just this is my personality type. What do, what do we say to that kind of a person? Well, you, you, your soul, <laughs> Ben, here's... <laughs> You need to be. Yeah, talk to me. This is for me. <laughs> I know somebody texted. The I, I'm really. I'm. I'm an extreme introvert, and it's funny that I do what I do. But I. I'm an. I am, and I. And I love my. I love silence. I love not talking. I love being just in. I love. I, I'm good being in the room with people, but I don't always want to talk about deep things going on in my life. I, I kind of avoid those things a lot of times. And so I'm, I'm a little bit like that, Ben. But what I've realized through the tragedies and things that I've been through, that um, if I don't have those relationships in my life, that um, I can be that when I need to have that, they're not there. You know what I'm saying? So that, so it's almost like preparing for something maybe later that might happen that opens up um, conversation. So I, I, I just think it's a valuable thing to have. Now, and I, again, I don't think it's like every week you have them talking about deep right. things. Yeah, that's, yeah. That does sound exhausting to me. And maybe to some, that's like, wow, that sounds awesome, you know. But for us, it's like, no, that actually sounds exhausting. But um, I don't want to live in isolation 
because there are going to be there will be moments in our lives where we need where we need relationship deeper soul connection with another human uh, one of the first questions that came in via the text line which is of course on the screen if you want to text in uh, it says please speak about the wisdom of carefully choosing who you are vulnerable with you talk about what is a safe space you're not being vulnerable in a safe space and you're in public. Yeah. You're not encouraging everybody to do that. So what is that safe space and how do you find that person who's safe or that can take this kind of vulnerability? Well, you guys know I don't tell you everything, right? I mean, so let's not give me too much credit for being vulnerable publicly. I mean, there's, there's a lot of things that would scare people away. And so, um, like, like, this None of your business, Ben. You can say whatever you want. This is the podcast. Yeah. It's not the. But no, really, that, like so, having that person, right? I mean, do I, would I, from this place looking out? Do I would I could I say that I trust everyone in this room for me to share the deepest things in my soul and have confidence that they're not going to use it against me or take it and manipulate it or whatever. Do I have that, do I have that confidence? Well, let me see. No, uh, I don't. No. Without even looking, <laughs> I can tell you I don't. I don't have that. And I don't want that. And they don't want that either. So I think, but do I have someone yeah. that I can trust fully, that's got my back, that I know will not use it against me, that will not bring it back up, Love is no, love doesn't keep record of wrongs. You know, someone that, that 1 Corinthians 13 is true for, for my life. Do I have that person? Yeah. And, it's, and it can just be one. I have a handful of that, but no more than that, that know everything. And, and they embrace me. Matter of fact, they embrace me more because of it, mm. which doesn't mean I want to do more. I don't want to be more broken. I want to, I want to keep getting healthy, but, but it's an amazing thing to have just a couple of people in your life that, that but you have, to, you have to be wise. Yeah with who they are. And the distinction between vulnerability in a healthy environment and oversharing yeah. uh, is, big, you know, coming from youth ministry, Ben, you're the same. Yeah. It's like overshare central uh, youth group. You know, right. everyone wants to just kind of lay out and you're like, whoa, 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 mixed company. Don't, uh, don't say, you know, you need to <laughs> put a lid on that, you know, because <laughs> kids just kind of don't have that discretion. Right. And I think the last thing that you're advocating for is a church yeah, where no one has discretion. Yeah, vulnerability isn't oversharing. That's not vulnerable. That's stupidity. <laughs> vulnerability is 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 knowing who who you can trust with your your whole self. Courage. That word courage actually comes from some root words that mean wholehearted. Like who do you have that you that you can be wholehearted and be courageous enough? Because it's hard enough with the people that got your back to be wholehearted with. I mean, it really it's still not easy. It's still, because you're still, you're still, there's something because of the, maybe the brokenness that we've experienced. It's like, I'm not, I mean, I'm pretty sure, but there's still this thing, nagging thing, like, well, and maybe it's the devil <laughs> whispering in your ear, they're going to, they're going to use this. They're not going to love you if you share this with them. And you just have to have courage to break through that and go, wait, no, this person has got my back and they love me and I, I'm, I need to have a space where I can be open and they also can be open and, and vulnerable with me. Yeah. So you gave a visual example earlier today where you actually brought up uh, our executive pastor, Mike Alexander, and, and you talked about this experience that you had in, in spending time with other pastors where you described your relationship with your dad as kind of being about arm's length away where you can touch each other, yeah. but what you wanted was more of that embracing kind of relationship. Yeah. I think, as you've talked about vulnerability, 
maybe the most difficult thing is, you know, I, I, maybe I could move to a new town and kind of feel like I could become a new person and start sharing myself or being vulnerable in a way yeah. with brand new people. But what about those relationships? You know, as you're talking about being a father to your sons or a son to your dad, those relationships have a lot of ruts in them and you've yeah. been down a lot of road together. How do you start being vulnerable in an area that you just simply haven't been before? Well, yeah, that's such a good question, Ben, because it is, it is a real deal, the tension there. And I, I remember talking to my therapist about this very thing, like, what do I do? Because he knew it. He was supported me in this venture to be more vulnerable with my kids. And, and he, he said this, have you told them that you want to be? You don't have to like get there, but have you, do they even know you want to get there? And I was like, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I've ever said that to them. And so I remember that, I remember each kid, one was in a, driving in a car, another was in another place. I was just like, hey, you guys, I, I know I've been like distant um, and I make excuses really fast to cover myself. I was distant because my dad was distant with me. You know, we do that. And I don't think that's bad necessarily, but I, you know, and then, but, and I, then I said, but I, I don't want to be, I don't know how quickly I can get there, but I, don't, I want us to move towards intimacy or something like that. And, and it was, it got it out there. It's like, oh, he spoke. Finally, he mentioned, oh, finally he's recognized. Okay, it's out there. It's not, it's not the elephant in the room. It's not the thing that, that we're holding back anymore. And, but still, it's a, it's a long road to recreate other ruts of transparency and honesty and vulnerability. It's, it's, not, an, uh, it's not a short journey, but at least I got it out there. And now they know and I know and I've said it out loud that I want a closer relationship with my kids and, um, and we're moving in that direction. It's not overnight. Yeah. It's, it's, gonna, it's gonna take a while, but at least it's out there. And even vocalizing that to your kids seems like that's a lot of times the hardest step to take because I'm imagining if my dad was like, hey, I wanna be more vulnerable and intimate in our conversations. I'd be like, oh man, let's find some distraction. Right. You know, like that's, <laughs> those are, those are a hard, vulnerable conversation that can get raw. Yeah. And kind of like you, you're talking about how um, you had that needing to push through the awkward, I guess, yeah. to get to a place of vulnerability. Is that true, not just with, with your kids or your parents, but is that what you're talking about when it's yeah. a friend or someone you're looking yeah, for? Yeah, absolutely. You have to break through the, uh, that. Somebody, uh, what's that quote from the Green Book is that the world is filled with lonely people not willing to make the first step. Something like that. And I, somebody has to take the first step and, and, and put yourself out there. And uh, with someone that you want to have that relationship with and, and, uh, and you're fairly confident that they're going to reciprocate, but somebody has to have, have to make the first move in any relationship that you want to have a deeper connection with. And listen, connection is the deal. It's not, it's not like be vulnerable for vulnerability's sake. Who wants that, Ben, right? We don't. I don't. But we, but, but we <laughs> desire connection. Right. We desire connection. Yeah. And, um, and I don't know any other way. It's, it's the price of admission per connection is vulnerability, yeah, right? If I we're not so. honest or open or real, how can I have a relationship with Ben if I never actually see the real Ben? Right. Yeah. And there's the other side of it too is can we receive this vulnerability well? You know, we, like I, I think about a lot of students that we have that have some questions about faith or even just want to get involved on a young adult night. The, the strength that it takes to come up and just talk to me for some of them sometimes. And uh, I think early on in ministry or when I was more immature, not that I'm completely immature now, but people would come up to me or share something vulnerable or something hard and I would react kind of, oh, uh, that's heavy, that's difficult. I don't yeah. know if I want 
that's shared with me. So much of it can be, so much of the healing can be about how we react to it. Because you're right. Once they take that first step, if it's not received in a proper fashion, then that can burn that person. Yeah, and use wisdom, right? Like I shared this, like I shared with Mike in the illustration, I, I, I grabbed him because I, I wanted intimacy, not... I want intimacy with Mike, but the point of it was this is what right. I want with my kids. And I demonstrated that this morning, this morning service. And I grabbed him and I, and I held him for a, like a half a second, as short as possible and Mike loved to that. make the point. He but that. that idea that of, of intimacy, not everybody's ready for that. You know, not everybody's ready to be held. Yeah. So you have to gauge their, even their receptivity, where, where are they at with their openness and, and, and move, move a little step closer to that but not like, I'm going to be vulnerable with you whether you like it or not, Ben. <laughs> you know, and like, well, that's like, that's not, that's not healthy either. That is, so it's, you, have to, you have to use wisdom. Does our effectiveness in life, especially as Christians, we, we talk about we need to go into all the world and preach the gospel and we need to love God and love people. Uh, does that start with us, though? Does that start with some of this me being vulnerable, some personal health before the love God people, how do, is there an order to all that? How do we put all these things that Jesus has called us to do? Because this, this sounds like, and a, a, kind of the classic church person might be like, gosh, this message is all about me. I don't like that. I don't like the idea of me getting healthy. I want to yeah. send something upward. Is, is yeah. this a, the beginning of doing the other things effectively? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, the process has been to receive the love of God to embrace his love for me, his unconditional love for me. And, and even if I can't believe it, like how could he love a wretch like me? Because that's where we, sometimes we start. But then to open our hearts up to that love and let that love so radically transform us, our image of ourselves, that we see ourselves as loved by God and we believe it. And, 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 then, that, and then that progresses to then we can love our neighbor. I, I think if we just try to love our neighbor and we haven't experienced the love of God or the love for ourself that comes from receiving the love of God, then, then our love for others will be shallow and ritualistic and religious, not, not transformative because it, it needs to come from, from the transformative work of God in us. Some great questions coming in. Uh, if you've been authentic in the past in a small group, or in your case, a large group, and people admire your vulnerability, but they themselves aren't ready to be vulnerable. What do you do? Yeah, you take, you, you got to take a step. You got to move. Um, you can't just, you, you just can't stay where you're at. Maybe it's, maybe it is talking with a therapist about why, why it's so difficult to move into vulnerability. That's what it took for me. Um, I, I had to have someone, a third party that didn't have, didn't want anything from me or need anything from me to, to help me pr get, get there, to be willing to open up my heart. Um, and by the way, I can be vulnerable with you. It's easier for me to share stuff with, with a large group than with, with my family. And, uh, that's a, that's a problem, right? But, but that's reality. So, so I think, I think just making a move, saying, asking some deeper soul questions is why, why am I unwilling to be vulnerable? And, um, and then maybe you invite someone into that dialogue, you know, of why, you know, I'm not willing to be, maybe, it's, maybe it is with some, a third party or, you know, a, somebody on our pastoral staff or something like that. Just having started, start a conversation about why, um, why I, I, it's so hard for us to be vulnerable. We've got a question via our Facebook live stream. Uh, hello to all of you watching the live stream on Facebook. Uh, question is, do you think all marriages include vulnerability? Is it a given? <laughs> Let's take a poll. Uh, no, <laughs> just kidding. We can do that uh, via Facebook, I think. No, <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. Do I wish every marriage was? Yes, I do. 
I really do. I really, really, really do. I've experienced um, a level of embrace that I didn't know was possible with Suzanne, who knows everything and still chooses to love me. Wow. You know, and, but does that happen in every marriage? No. And so if you're married and you don't have that, uh, maybe one, one spouse wants it, the other one doesn't. Um, you just have to start the conversation somewhere and not push it and not try to force it and not try to hurry it, but, but um, start having the conversation. I remember Suzanne calling me out um, at one point uh, and she did it with such grace and love and gentleness, but it was like, I need, she's saying, I need you to open up to me. I, I know something's not right with you or with us or whatever, but I need you to tell me. I, need, I needed that. And, I, and it took, it took, um, <laughs> it took therapy uh, for me to get there. But um, <laughs> and I would encourage every relationship to move in that direction. Uh, can you touch on vulnerability with God? What if you're having trouble being vulnerable with others for fear of being vulnerable with yourself and even God himself? Yeah, it, it, it all depends. I think for me, the transformative work there was I realized who God is and who he isn't and what he does and what he doesn't do. And so I used to think that he judged me um, for all the, the sins and the things. But there was a moment in my life where I, I, I really accepted the verse that, that he loved us while we were still sinners. And it, it, it opened up my heart to him like never before. Does, does, he, does he like when, I, when, I, when I'm fallen and living in sin and broken? No, of course not. Not because of religious reasons, but because he wants me to experience life and joy and, and abundance, right? And so he wants to continue to work with me and help me, but he's not, he's not, he's not like this or the, or the police officer or anything. You know, he's, he's a loving father, and father even for a lot of people is a, is a, is a, is a hard metaphor. Um, and I just encourage I encourage anyone who, who hasn't had a good experience with a father to put that imagery aside and allow God to define to you who he really is to you. And it will look like a, a good father, not the bad one, um, and, and to allow yourself to open up because that's where it starts. That's where all, I think where all this starts. Like Seth was talking last week, it's what do you believe about what God believes about you? That matters significantly in this journey towards Vulnerability. So what about the other side of this? We talk about this, this sets you free. It makes your soul feel better. It allows other people to have a more deep, authentic relationship with you. Um, there's an old saying that says, confession is uh, good for the soul, bad for the reputation. <laughs> has there been any backlash from some of your vulnerability? Or um, has there any, been any bad for the reputation side of it that has uh, caused you to have to navigate your relationships in a different way or make you rethink sometimes being so vulnerable? Yeah, someone came to me after, the, after one of the services this morning and asked me to stop talking about Chase. They were, um, I, understand, I, I understood where he was coming from because um, it's hard to be confronted with someone's pain over and over. I, I, I get, I, so I, I kind of understood where he was coming from. So, so I, I do worry sometimes about that, man. I worry that um, I don't want to be the sad church, and I don't think we are. But I don't want to be. I don't want to be um, 
I mean, I, I have mixed feelings. I don't know if I want to be known as the vulnerable church. But I certainly don't want to be known as the closed one, you know? That's good. And so, I, and so the backlash, I guess, is, is people maybe who, I don't know. I, yeah, there hasn't been a lot of backlash. There's been more, I've seen more pastors being willing to be transparent from their pulpits as a result of my transparency. And that's I so can good. only think that's a positive yeah. for the community of faith in Central Oregon, you know? And, um, and so we keep pressing in with wisdom and, 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 and God's help, you know, but um, I don't want to, I don't want to ever, I, I never want this for me or for any, any of you to start covering up, you know, because it's easier for you or for the people around you if you just don't talk about your brokenness yeah. or your dreams. You know, vulnerability isn't just always about brokenness, right? It's not always about hurt. It's about being willing to share your dreams yeah, and good. confidence that the person uh, across from you isn't going to shoot them down right away. Suzanne and I had, the, we had to, man, we had to work this one out because I love saying, I just love going big. Yeah. I was yeah. like, let's, Susie, let's, let's like move to Croatia. And she would look at me and like, are you stupid? <laughs> you know, our kids are three, four, and one, one, three, and four. What is that? That's, that's, and so I, oh well, yeah, you're, you're probably right. That's stupid. <laughs> and it wasn't good for us. And so it, she, she and we, we had to learn how to like, okay, wait. And ladies, listen, your man might dream a lot, but is he actually going to do 90% of what he dreams about? <laughs> Yes. No, we're not. We're just not that smart. <laughs> just and let so it you, run the course. Just you just don't have to. Yeah, let it run its course. And listen, and you're going you're gonna, to, if, if he's more fulfilled and more alive, you will be too, and vice versa. And I think that, I mean, and that vulnerability. So vulnerability isn't just about brokenness. It's about dreams and fostering that in, in the people that we love around That's us. That's a big deal that Rebecca and I had to do the same thing. And we still work through it sometimes where the first time I shared the big dream, she looked at me like, uh-uh. And I said, <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Never again. Mm, yeah. I'm not sharing right. this with you again. And then it broke her heart when I was sharing my big dreams with other people. Yeah. And then she was the 10th to know. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. Yeah. And now I share your dreams to her. I just <laughs> send her a text. Here's what Ben is dreaming about at we work. we got a great <laughs> system so, yeah. going on here. It sounds broken to me, guys. I'm just saying. It sounds like a yeah. broken system. Why is Evan system. texting you so late? That's weird. Anyway, uh, <laughs> that's a terrible segue to this question, but I'm going to do it. It's uh, a perfect segue. Do you think it's important to have that level of vulnerability before you make the decision to get married? And that's a great question. Yeah, okay, so. Suzanne and I talked about this. So what, what we do typically, if I, and I'm trying to remember back, I've been married 25 years, so I know I'm a little out of, out of, out of this whole thing. But what, I, what we've observed and what we remember doing is that we would put on the mass when we were dating, um, trying to get to know someone. We wanted to put our best foot forward. We wanted to put the social media version of ourselves for that person to fall in love with. Here's the problem, and you all know the problem without me even saying what the problem is, is that year one, I thought you were. So there's got to be some level of vulnerability early, earlier than maybe what you're comfortable with. I remember Suzanne and I, man, we fought we fought, we fought a lot early on, before we were ever married. And I remember that it blew up one time. We were just arguing, and I said, are you going to love me even if I never change? And she was like, what? 
<laughs> she had to like come to grips with this idea that maybe this guy is never gonna be different. See, ladies, you like you love to think, oh, oh, he's got so much potential. If I can just get a couple of years with him. No, don't do that. Don't do that. You've got to, and listen, we will change and we will get better. And I'll stop wearing the white t-shirts that I was wearing when Suzanne met me and, uh, and, and we'll look better and we'll act better and all of that stuff will happen. But if you put that pressure on at the very beginning, it's tough. It's tough for relationships. So be vulnerable, I would say. Risk it. Risk it because what, what, how you start is how you'll keep, keep it going. How you get it going is how you're gonna keep it going. And if you get it going by not presenting the real you, you have to keep it going by presenting not the real you. When my wife met me, I wore my go-to footwear yeah. was black uh, fake velvet slippers. I'd wear in public <laughs> to work, to church. What's wrong with you? They were slippers? <laughs> Real shoes, you guys. Real shoes tonight. I know. I'm going to go, That's Evan. My wife. That's Evan. My wife. I'm not yes. so sure. We're going to test this. It's your wife, out. right? That's your wife's that's, influence. That's absolutely. But she married you even, even regardless of Against the slippers. In spite of the slippers. Odds and advice. <laughs> she married me. Uh, another question. We've got to wrap up here, but what if you follow your husband's dreams to the detriment of your own? Oh, oh man, this is good. Ken and Linda Johnson, the former lead pastors, just talked to a group of pastors in Sun River last week about this and that she put her dreams subservient to his. And she said something so powerful. She said, both dreams can flourish at the same time. I was like, Linda, you gotta talk more about this because that is not what our culture experiences, especially in the church, is that there's this kind of idea that women have to, laid their dreams down for the men. What if both can flourish? And sure, there might be seasons, right, where one gets emphasis or the other, but, but never think that you have to like lay your dreams down. She actually had the ladies take a minute and share with their, with their we did it with one another, but she wanted the ladies to start, share with your husband, what's your dream? And it was amazing. And then we did some public conversation and there was, and there was so many that said, I don't remember. I don't remember what my dream was. And, uh, and I, I remember Suzanne and I going through this just a few years ago when she was pursuing the nursing degree. And, um, and Linda asked her, is this what you really wanna do for the rest of your life? And, and she took her, Suzanne, all the way back to her early 20s when she had a call from God to be in ministry and to help people find their fit and pursue God. And, and she was not running from that, but she had laid that down so I could finish school, so I could get the first job, so I could do this, so I could do that. I never asked her to do that, but we just never talked about it. And, and, I, and that's unfortunate, you know? Um, so I would say to the young, the young people in the, in the house, you don't, have to, you don't have to let your dream die on the altar of a relationship. Yeah. Both can flourish. Which I think leads to the importance of continued vulnerability. It's not just one time. You gotta keep having the conversation because specifically with dreams with my wife and I, I, when we started dating, I was so in love with the fact that she wanted to be a nurse and I thought, man, this would be cool. It'll translate to like mission work and all this stuff. And then she came to me at one point and was like, I don't think I want to work so much. I'm tired of it. I think I want to be a mom more. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. 
what? First of all, you make way more money than me, you know, <laughs> but it, it actually took vulnerability in that yeah. way too, to, yeah. to sink back into this different role that yeah. I hadn't anticipated going in, but it was a, it's continuing the conversation because it was different year one and two yeah. than it was year five, six. Yeah. And that brings up one last thing and then we'll, we'll finish. But I, I think that our, our, what, it, what is our response to someone who's being willing to be vulnerable with us is really important. What's our initial reaction you know, is it to, to like, no, that's a bad idea, or oh, that, don't do that, or I can't believe you just shared that with me, and oh, you're a horrible person, or whatever the extremes right, might be, yeah. right? Uh, or is it, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for sharing your heart with me. It helps me to know how to love you more. It helps me to understand where we're at. Um, maybe it's hard for me to hear sometimes, but I, but I recognize that man, that's re- that was really hard for me to hear, but thank you for sharing. What if that was our typical response to, to someone else That's being good. vulnerable in our lives. Well, let me just finish by, is this okay? Or do we need to like finish the podcast? Okay, so I, I, uh, I wanna close with this idea of this, this, you know, I grew up thinking it was just me and Jesus was fine. I didn't need to be vulnerable with anybody else. I didn't need to be vulnerable with, with friends or family or my spouse once I got married. I was just me and Jesus. And I, and I came to this conclusion um, through the preparing this message is that it, that you and Jesus isn't enough. And you're like, and I know some of you are like, whoa, 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 wait a second. Um, but let me tell you a story and then see if you agree with me. One of my closest, closest friends ever was going through one of the darkest, darkest nights of his life. The darkest night of his life. And he invited a handful of friends to come with him on that dark night and pray with him. This is Jesus, Garden of Gethsemane, facing the cross, the Son of God, God himself in the flesh, needed his three closest friends to walk with him, sit with him, and pray with him. If he needed connection, how much more do we how much more do we need to have one, two, or three friends who, when, it, when the going really gets tough, we know that we can call on them to, hey man, I just need you to walk with me. I need you to sit with me. I need you to pray with me. I don't need you to try to fix it. I don't need you to try to, try to make everything feel better. I just need, I just need my, my bros and my sisters to sit with me and be with me if he needed it. How much more do we need it, that connection with one another? Let me, let me pray for us. Jesus, I pray that you would open up our hearts to being vulnerable with another. Jesus, help us to have the courage and the, and, and, and the love for ourselves that press us toward opening up our hearts and our lives to another person. Give us the courage to do that, the confidence. Show us who to do that with, what to say, how to say it. Holy Spirit, lead us and guide us in this journey and help us to be people who are open, honest, and transparent before you, before ourselves, and before others. We love you, Jesus, and we know that we can't do this without you, without your presence, without your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, you guys, so much for being here tonight, and thanks for having the conversation, and uh, we'll see you uh, next weekend. Have a great week. Bye.